Hi, it's Sasha here. You're listening to the 18th episode of Dear Seekers, a biweekly podcast featuring intriguing and inspiring women in the city. Here on the podcast, we share their stories, the hardships and detours they've experienced, and the joy, lessons, and wisdom they've gained. And on our website, we offer a window into the lives of these intriguing women, getting to know them in an intimate way, in the homes they live in, the objects they choose to surround themselves with, and the clothes they wear. Today's guest is Mara Enfield, the beauty and the brain behind the one and only Mama Loves You Vintage. Located on the busy Queen Street, the store has not only become one of the must-visit attractions in the city for tourists who seek hidden local gems, it has also gained popularity among many of the seekers we feature, including our first guest, Stephanie Aob, owner of Bonsai Studio. And the most recent feature, Amber Joliet, creator of the Misfit Studio, and myself is also one of the long-term customers of Mama Loves You. The store is definitely an extension of Mara herself. She is always seeking for the exotic, the rare, the colorful, and the old. Born and raised in Vancouver, Mara is now calling Toronto her home. I am so honored to be sitting on the couch with Mara in her charismatic apartment in Kensington Market to chat about how she got introduced to vintage, how the store got started, and we'll also touch upon our takes on fast fashion, and ended up bonding over true crime documentaries. It's very difficult to not be fascinated by Mara and the dream world she's offering the world. Then we didn't have a lot of money. We we didn't grow up with a lot of anything. And my earliest memories of vintage is we would go, we would take like the Sky Train, which is our equivalent of the subway, and we'd go to like the middle of nowhere, outside of Vancouver, and we'd go to the Value Villages. And back then they were so good. And I was more like the person to carry the stuff that my mom found. I didn't really appreciate it at the time. But we'd go and spend hours there, and she would buy all this amazing stuff and find all this amazing stuff, and we'd bring it back to the city, and she would either sell it or she would consign it, and that's really how I got introduced to the world of vintage. She always tells me the story, like she went to the Salvation Army with me, and like it was like the junky basement, and you'd go through and you'd find like this antique something or other that you'd pay like a nickel for, and then she walked up to the antique store that she was working at, and she'd sell it. For like enough money to go and then buy dinner, you know what I mean? Like it was always like, like if you knew what you were looking for and you appreciated something in a pile of garbage, you could really like get enough for dinner, <laughs> I guess. This amazing vintage collector in Vancouver—he's more of a historian. Ivan Sayers, and he has these vintage sales at his house, and it's like this tiny little house that 
he lives in and he has like one of the biggest collections of like antique vintage in like the country and like he would have these amazing sales and like I remember it was very like you only can go if you know the right people and she would bring me I was like a little tiny kid and I would sit on the couch and she would just go around like almost like competitively like <laughs> finding the good stuff and I would just be like the person to like hold it in place like it would just become this pile of clothes and just my eyes would be like peeking out of the top. That was how the little Mara got introduced to the world of vintage. Of course, in retrospect, Mara really appreciates that her mom opened up the door to her, which ultimately led to the store Mama Loves You, the name and the concept. But back then, finding vintage, selling vintage, was a way of feeding the family, which the little Mara didn't fully understand and appreciate. I was always dressed in vintage as a little kid, and then. There's that moment when you're like 12 or whatever, you're like, no, I just want all the new cool stuff that everyone else has. Her wish for new clothes wasn't granted, but her appreciation for vintage started growing. I was very, very shy as a kid, and I remember realizing it was like a way to like be interesting without having to say anything. In high school, like I was able to like express my—it's such a cliche—like able to express myself without saying anything and not be this like silent wallflower. Like, and then when I started wearing vintage and wearing different clothes in high school, people would be like, "Oh, there's Mara!" Like they knew who I was without me having to say anything, and that's when I really realized that. So that was the switch or the transformation. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I was so shy and like I was able to form some sort of identity. Vintage has helped Mara gain confidence and a sense of self. And she starts working in vintage stores during and after high school. But besides her love of vintage, nothing in sight is clear to her. I was working at a consignment store, and I was going to school at this like community college, just taking a couple classes, and I was really depressed and just really sad and just really stuck, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was at work one day, and I think I was like crying or something, and this girl who wor- was working there, Alex, who actually lives in Toronto now, she's from Toronto, and she pulled me aside. She's like, are you okay? Like, what do you, what do you want to do with your life? Like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and my best friend, Tamara, had told me about Ryerson, and she wanted to do the photography program there. And then I remember looking into the fashion. I'm like, wow, this seems really cool. There's nothing like this in Vancouver where you could get a degree in fashion. It didn't exist at the time. I don't know if it does now. So I had looked into that program and I wanted to do it. But I'm like, oh, how would I ever move across the city? Or not the city, the country. So I just sort of pushed it out of my head. And we went out for dinner that night, me and Alex. She's like, no, like, you can do this. Like, she's like, I had a sister that helped me do this. And like, you don't have anyone. So I'm going to help you. So, like, we went out for coffee and, like, she helped me with my application and the application was due in, like, two weeks and I had to, like, pull together this application from, like, nothing and and uh, I got in and I didn't tell anyone that I was applying because I was, I was so nervous about getting excited for something and then after I got in, I told everyone, I'm moving to Toronto! I'd never been here before. I moved here by myself with one suitcase, got off the plane by myself and I was like, oh, great, this is my home now and... I never thought if I was going to stay or not, I was just going to see what would happen. And the city's been so good to me. Like the people I've met, the friendships I've made. It's like a big hug. <laughs> I love Toronto. It's I find it really easy to meet people here. Like you can just start up a conversation with someone and 
people are very friendly and it's easy to talk to people. And some people would argue that, but growing up in Vancouver, it's very small. It's like a small town that's really pretending to be a big city. Where, which city? Vancouver. Oh, you grew up in Vancouver? Mm-hmm. Because it's like a small city. I thought it was like somewhere. It is a small city. It is. Like I grew up in like this, the heart of the city and it's, it's very small. So you go to like a bar and like it's always the same people and it's the same thing. And there's like one thing to do that night that everyone's at. And the thing I love about Toronto is like I can feel anonymous sometimes, but I can also like walk down the street and like wave to like regulars or friends or people I've seen just depends the day. I don't know. I love Toronto. <laughs> fashion school such a different like they really drill like fashion and industry and making connections and it just networking and I was like oh like still also being pretty shy even when after before I graduated I was like what am I gonna do like I'm so shy I don't know if I'm gonna like how am I supposed to network and meet people and I just hated that whole idea of networking and having it be so unnatural like schmoozing like and now, after, uh, and now after opening the store, like I've met so many amazing people and there's such this like amazing community of creative, interesting people. And it's like, well, networking just comes naturally. Like, but it was weird in school because they really like, they make it seem like it's this thing you have to really try and like fake. And I'm like, no, if you're just a genuine, nice person, like you're going to meet like-minded people and you're going to want to collaborate. And it's going to be like this organic collaboration. It doesn't have to be this forced thing so that kind of bothered me in school um what was your question <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could see i could see you like kind of like just thinking about something else and then i know i do what your question is that. yeah that's, no i was does that happen a lot no, no, no. <laughs> it's so funny this is gonna um, stay in here <laughs> yes <laughs> but so the question was, you know, like, you were talking about before you graduated, yeah. you in this circle of not knowing what you mm-hmm. want to do, mm-hmm. and a little bit confused, and so, yeah, maybe just share more about what happened then. Well, I remember the day I decided I was going to open a store. I was taking a streetcar. I lived at Dundas and Dufferin, and I was going to class, which Ryerson campus is around Young and Dundas, and I remember being on the streetcar, and I remember where I was sitting on the streetcar, sitting on like the left side right by the door by myself, and I remember the idea just popped into my head, and then it never left. And I'm a very stubborn person, like if I decide I'm going to do something, I do it. It's like, I'm going to open a store, and then pretty much from that moment, it was, okay, let's figure out how to do this. And Your mom was still in Vancouver at that time. My mom was in Vancouver, and I had talked to her about it, and she was buying for a store. Was this actually, so I started working at Used, which I worked there at the Vancouver location. And then when they opened up in Toronto, I started working for the Toronto location. Like I was one of the first people working there when they opened. And she was buying for Used out of Vancouver. She was buying the clothing. And I was working for Used doing retail. And I was like, this is silly. Like, why don't we do this ourselves? I approached the idea to her and she was like, yeah, that's amazing. But she was still in Vancouver. It was decided like, she would do the buying, and then I would guess I'd figure out the rest. <laughs> so I was 22, and I started, like, writing a business plan. I got well, a ri- How did you get that idea of writing a business plan? I don't know. I think I bought, like, how to open a business for dummies. And I was, like, a 22-year-old kid who, like, doesn't know how to do anything. Super shy still, trying to figure it out. So <laughs> I think it was a lot of Google. 
a lot of like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Like, not a real estate agent, you know? Like, I started viewing properties. It's really funny because no one really took me seriously. And I think a lot of the people felt better about the fact that I was opening this business because my mom was attached and it was like oh like the mom's really doing all the stuff it was really funny but really it was like I was the one who was making the decisions a lot of properties around the city. I really wanted to open on Queen Street because where I had worked before used was on Queen Street and before that I worked at American Apparel which was also on Queen Street. Oh wow. And I just knew that, that block. big store right beside mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Right, right yeah beside you, but... and then used was right beside that so I knew that block really really well and I knew the foot traffic that was possible so I felt very confident in that block. I looked at a couple other places. I looked at Kensington. I looked in Ossington. I looked up on college um, but I re- it was really stubborn about Queen Street. How did you gain the, the confidence? I mean, you talk about because you work on the blocks, mm-hmm. you know, the food traffic, mm-hmm. that could probably add a little bit of confidence to you opening a store and then choosing the prime location. Mm-hmm. But what else also contributed to that? Because as 22 years old, trying to have like a grand location that's mm-hmm. almost impossible to even think about. Even thinking about it now, I get overwhelmed. I think I was just so stubborn. I was like, this is what I have to do. And there weren't any other options for me in my life at that point. I was like, there was no other plan. So all of my attention, all of my time was devoted to that. So I want you to take me through that day when you finally pick the location Mm -hmm. right now. Do you remember the day you actually went that (laughs) space? So I had this amazing real estate agent, Beata, and she was so great. And she just, she really like believed in me and she was so confident in me. And I'm so thankful that I had her and she really was looking out for me, which was great because I was alone in this whole process. Like my mom didn't come to Toronto until like the lease was signed. So I was working on the next block used and then Mama Loves You Before was the Leslieville cheese shop. That's what it's called. Yeah. And I saw for lease there. I was like, wow. And I looked in and it had like these beautiful old wood floors and high tin ceilings. And it was on the next one. I'm like, this place is amazing. So I told her, I'm like, I need to see this space. And we saw it as quick as we could. And it was so like gross and worn down inside, but the bones were so amazing and just what I wanted. And she's like, are you sure? Are you, are you sure you want something? This is what I want. This is, this is the spot. I just love like, yeah, like the, the building was built in 1880s. And I just love the history in it. It was perfect for a vintage store. Like the, the floors are original, like old and creaky and the ceilings haven't been lowered. Like next door, it's the same building and they've lowered their ceilings like sometime in the 80s probably. Why would they do that? I don't know. <laughs> but like the original tin ceilings are there and like it was so beautiful. And yeah, I, I really love the space. And a couple years ago, my ex-boyfriend, he went to the reference library and he was like, oh, I'm going to research the space and you can look up certain years of Toronto and then look up the address. So he did it and we discovered like in the 20s, it was like a bicycle shop. In the 40s, it was a barber shop with billiards in the back room. It was a candy shop. I wrote down the whole list. Um, I love the barbershop one. That was great. So that was really cool. And I put it in chronological order and I gave it to my landlord. He didn't even know all this stuff was in there and I was like this is I got so excited I loved like learning about the history of spaces and he loved it he really appreciated it too and like I love that you can get a space like that in Toronto that has such a long history and that you can actually go and research it and I've tried to find photos of the space I've looked on like every old Toronto photo page and the oldest one I could find was from the 70s and it was Cole's furniture store which was owned by my landlord's wife's father oh 
So it was still like in the family then. And across from it was like still the Kentucky Fried Chicken that is today. But it's like the vintage Kentucky Fried Chicken, like the old Colonel. Like (laughs) That's the oldest photo I could find at the store. I wish I could find photos of it in the 40s. That would have been so cool. But And then we had to do the whole like put in the offer, wait for the response, blah, blah, blah. And it was just a lot of paperwork. And I learned a lot about real estate and commercial leases and all this fun stuff. What was the major thing you learned? Just how much paperwork is involved. (laughs) How much going back and negotiating and stuff. So that was very valuable. And yeah, the day I got the keys was like, I just remember like they met up me there, they gave me the keys and I was like, all right. (laughs) I was like, what do I do now? (laughs) I just started cleaning. sunny or is it like a raining day oh i it must have been early Which month it was early december 2012 oh, yeah so it was in december mm-hmm. we opened december 22nd 2012 and i got the keys december 1st wow yeah. you opened it so quickly I mean, you had to I, I do, get yeah. Christmas. Well, we, we were going to open in February and then, but because we're like, oh, January is the worst month to open. And we worked our butts off. My mom lived at the store when we were setting up. She came in from, and she like lived there. Like, so gross. Um, what did she think about it? When she she loved the space. Like we have the same taste, which makes us running a business together so easy. Like we like the same stuff. We agree on everything. So yeah, I got the keys and just started nesting. <laughs> But it's so funny to look at photos of the store back then. It was so bare and it was gray and it was so empty. And she's like, I want it to be very minimal. And now I'm like, now it's pink. And it feels so much more like my store compared to back then. It, it took a while to, for it to become what it is. I really enjoy the clothes. Like it really comes down to the clothes and like being able to like get new stock and find something and research it and learn about it. It's really like it's really rewarding, and every day is different because you get something new in every day. My mom's doing the buying, so she'll ship it across this country to um, Toronto. I'll open the box, and then it's like there's all this amazing stuff, and it's like I don't see it as like a product. Price it and you put it out. Like I, I like to get the item, and I like to research it, and sometimes I'll spend like hours just researching this one item, and then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? (laughs) Like. I don't know. I view it as more like an education a lot of the time. It's really fun for me to be able to like get new things, especially things I've never seen before and to learn about them. And But do you feel like you might lose that sense of like thrill when you, because your mom's doing all the buying mm-hmm. and would you sometimes want to also gain to the buying side as well? It's really hard work. Like so. it's very hard. Like she wakes up at like 5.30 in the morning. She takes a bus. She takes a SkyTrain and then she takes another bus to these warehouses and she picks through piles of clothes and it's very physical work and she does it about four or five times a week and it takes her like about an hour and a half to get to work every day and then an hour and a half back and very like physical sorting and she works really hard and you have to really look at a lot a lot of bad stuff to find something that's amazing people think you go there and you just like buy all this amazing stuff I'm like no you have to look at like a thousand things to find like one nice thing and it's kind of depressing like you go to these places and they're it's just full of fast fashion and it you just see like Joe Fresh and you see H&M and there's just no value in it and you could tell it was made just a couple years ago and it's just in this pile of garbage and it's it it, every time I go it makes me feel really shitty about the world like (laughs) that's 
talk about it. Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's do. Let's because, talk. Let's get into it. Yeah, because you want a sip of wine? Sasha? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I already had. Some. I'm gonna continue later. Because as you even talk about, you know, back in the time, vintage shopping was so much more different than now.、Mm-hmm. You know, clothing then was actually well made, but now many vintage pieces are. Fast fashion pieces. How do you feel about this world right now? With this all this fast fashion, and then with where you are doing, and what? How can you contribute? And、right. All that kind of stuff. Like fast fashion is just like I think of it as like candy. It's like people just want like they want that sweet little something right away, and they just need it now. People go into these stores and they just buy this thing because it's trendy, and they know they're gonna throw it away. And It's like yeah, like you can go to H and M get like a two ninety nine tank top, but like when I was in university, I used to go to H and M all the time. And now I look in my closet and like, where are all those clothes that I bought? And where are all those clothes that I spent money on? They're all in like the garbage or the thrift store or whatever. Like I don't own anything that isn't vintage anymore because it all doesn't have any value. You wear it a couple times and then you're sick of it because it satisfied that like craving right away and then it's done. And there's no value anymore. Like no one wants to own your shitty old. Ratty H and M tank top that you paid two ninety nine for when you're done with it. You buy like a nineteen thirties like tank top that's been around since the thirties, and like if I bought that, I would wear it. And like there's such a story with it. And then when I'm done with it, there's still going to be value, and someone out there's still going to want it. Might even have more value when I'm done with it because it'll be even older. Like,、yeah. <laughs> so I think about really upsets me that like people people just want that fix. They don't think about the long term, and they don't think about like. Just gonna end up in the trash, like not even to mention like all that. Like I can't go into a mall without thinking about like all this stuff was just made by tiny little hands. Like that's all I think about when I go in the mall, just tiny little children making this stuff, like little hands. And I'm like, that doesn't bother you either. And and then people come into my store and they're complaining that like oh a 1940s dress is 150 dollars. I'm like, well this has survived this long and has the story and is made so well. So I find a lot of the time. I'm defending the pricing and I'm defending the clothes because people walk into my store and they think it's a thrift store. They so they think it's secondhand or they think it's used, so it should be cheap.、Mm-hmm. Like once I had someone come like, "Why aren't your prices like Joe Fresh?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, like,、oh, like," and I had to be like, "Sorry, like, this isn't made by the factory that like fell apart on people. Like, this is like really I have to defend this、yeah. stuff and my pricing to someone like that, like." So I, I do get frustrated, especially being on the block that I am. I'm between Joe Fresh and Urban Outfitters, so I get a lot of、yeah. people who expect things to be in perfect condition and expect those prices. And many times, I think most of times, we don't understand. Like even myself included, I didn't think about how much time, you know, how much effort that will go into just that one piece. From your mom travel all the way to、mm-hmm. dig all these pipes of clothing to find that one、yeah. dress. To ship it to you, to you to clean, and then to for the price tag, and even、it's, do research sometimes because you might not know every single piece、yeah. where they're coming from and what's error. So all this work—it's so much work. So the long process is her getting up early and going to these places, and then she'll collect the stuff, and then she'll do another edit and be like, "What do we really need? What's really amazing?" And then my dad will drive out to the suburb and. They'll pick it up and they'll bring it back to my house, and my mom will wash everything. She does. Everything. She washes everything we can. I mean, you can't wash like a leather jacket, but well, anything that can be thrown in the washer and dryer. She's like, my washer and dryer are gonna break any day now because that's we wash everything. Their hydro bill's crazy. <laughs> 
And then she packages it up and then they drive down to the Greyhound station and then it goes on the bus and then it comes and arrives in like a week and a half later. And then I unbox it. And then a lot of things, if they're not washed there, if they're older pieces, I'll hand wash them or I'll like spot treat them or oxyclean them. And then I do a lot of mending. I go through every item and if it needs to be mended, I'll do it myself. I have a box where I bring to my friend who's a tailor. So I get everything fixed. Everything is cleaned. Everything is steamed. And then I research stuff because I'm crazy. And and then it's merchandise and then it's sold on Queen Street, which has ridiculous rent. And then people are like, why isn't this $10? And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> I <laughs> Sometimes I think about how much work it takes and I'm like, well, we're nuts. Like, But not to say like every other vintage store in the city is working just as hard. It's a very hard business because you have to work your butt off and you have to constantly defend your pricing and your business model to people who don't understand and we're all working the same level. I'm not working harder than anyone else out there. Like, yeah. But I mean, it's important to talk about it and then to showcase, mm-hmm. you know, how much hard work is behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So in a way to justify the price tag yeah. it's beyond just, just uh, how well it yeah. was made. We get a lot of people, going, oh, I'll just go to Value Village and buy this. At least not the Value Village in Toronto. There's no vintage there anymore. Like maybe if you're out and somewhere outside the city there is, but I've gone to Value Village recently. There's nothing old there anymore. It's all... The same Joe Fresh, Urban Outfitters, American Eagle. But that's another thing mm-hmm. about fast fashion, right? In 30 years, 1970s are vintage, but maybe in like 40 years, like 2000. It's that cr- I know. That can still vintage. Well, there's some but stores then, in the city that do sell early 2000s stuff, and yeah. they call it modern vintage. But it's like a new thing because vintage is changing. And right. I mean, we have a rack of 90s dresses. I would never have thought that that would have been vintage, but it is. Yeah. And the quality of stuff now is... I, I can't imagine it in a, in a similar store in like 20, 30 years, but yeah. who knows what's going to happen. And Have you watched the documentary True Cost? Or True no, Cost? but people keep telling me to. I need to watch it. I think I just need to. I couldn't stop crying. I, I watched it three times. Three times? Oh okay, that's what I'm doing tonight. You have to watch it. It's about fast fashion, right? Yeah. yeah. You, like, you have to get yourself emotionally ready for it. Yeah. It is really yeah. interesting. I couldn't stop crying. Like, just this desire of wanting more and yeah, more. Yeah. And then, of course, like people are like, oh, we can donate. We, we don't, if we don't, it's all ends There's up too much. Like There's Heidi too much. And all these countries they mm-hmm. don't need mm-hmm. our clothes anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't need this like $2.99 H&M tan top. They don't need those. Mm-hmm. And then also destroying their manufacturing mm-hmm. there as well. Because yeah. people there don't produce and they yeah. just get these like yeah. cheaply made clothing. Yeah. So anyway, I'm getting angry as well. <laughs> Oh, of course, like I admit, right? Like uh-huh. back in the time, I was shopping H and M for twenty one. Yeah. But now, like no way. I don't mm-hmm. even walk in like Zara, yeah. like all these well, stores. I mean, not even to mention like all those stores, like ripping off designers and ripping off like artists and stuff. That's a whole other thing. the 40s i like the 40s i like all i like lots of decades (laughs) i don't want to pick favorites but yeah what is your favorite which era fine it's the 40s so why why well i i really like 40s fashion i like wearing it like all my favorite pieces that i own are all from the 40s uh 
I mean, it was a time when like the world was at war. You had to make do and mend. Like you had to work with what you had. It's a big change from women's fashion. Like women finally started wearing pants. So like all my favorite pants are like 1940s pants or they're all like high-waisted, flared leg. Like I have some 1940s jumpsuits. Like if they started wearing jumpsuits or I have some 1940s like play suits. Like just things started to change. Also with dresses, I love there's such a blending of masculine because the women's dresses were kind of mimicking this like military aesthetic. But there's also feminine. There's a lot of ways they tried to include femininity into these masculine dresses, they're just new techniques like peplums and a lot of things were changing and happening for women's fashion and just yeah. things that I appreciate, I guess. And what's your second favorite? Probably the 30s. Wow. Oh, oh, it's hard. Oh, oh. I like the teens too, but I wear less of it. I feel like I love all the, like the, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> I like 30s too. I really love like long 30s, like bias cut dresses. Like I really like the decade. It doesn't really look great on me. I feel like 40s dresses are look better on me. But I love selling 30s dresses. I love people coming into the store and trying them on. They look, can look so beautiful and flattering on so many different body types. Not a fan of the 50s. And whenever I say that, people are so horrified. <laughs> the 50s. <laughs> Why, it's just, like it's just it? too girl. I mean, I, I have 50 stuff. I like I like it on the right people, but on me, I don't. It's just a little too, like, girly, like, too cutesy. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm going to, like, badmouth decades. No, they're all my favorite decades. It's like my children. <laughs> but it's kind of interesting because you talk about you love researching about history, the fashion tie up to the, each, its era. So... I mean, vintage always running into your blood. <laughs> vintage in my blood. <laughs> I can see it in your face. But when did you actually got very in- intrigued by all these like era tied up to its fashion, like this correlations between back then and how people just to express that, reflect that time period? I mean, I really started like looking more into like the history of it after I opened the store. Like I really loved vintage before but I think I was more interested in like 60s and 70s and also like through through Instagram has been so amazing because it's like people will post things and I follow so many amazing people and they'll a lot of the time they'll tell like say what it is and they'll give like a history about like what it is and you can learn so much just through that app it's amazing there's so much information online like you can like look up a label and be like then look up a zipper and like me and my friend were like talking about like a fucking zipper for like three days this week and like is it 40s is it 50s is it 40s is it 50s we are such nerds like but I know so little compared to some people I really do I feel like I'm just learning that's the other thing I love about vintage is you keep learning something new and just when you think you know it all which I've never claimed to like you learn something else and then you learn something else about a t-shirt and then you learn something about a suit and then you learn something about this clutch that they use on a bag and there's so much to learn what did you learn this week? (laughs) I'm trying to you'd have to look at my search history on my computer (laughs) It doesn't end. Like, you'll get, like, a label, and you're like, oh, when was this made? And you just fall down the rabbit hole of the internet. Yeah. But I love that there's so much information out there. There's a lot of wrong information, too, because it's a, a lot of the time it's just the blind leading the blind. But <laughs> Yeah. 
it's it's really fun to be able to but how did you know one isn't real or one is fake like how did you do all your fact checking and stuff because now you like all your, all your labels are like it's there so you could miss like how to people. date something yeah. i mean there's people ask me that a lot like oh how do you date this dress or how do you do this and I mean, there's simple things to know, like, oh, like, the 30s was mostly snaps on the side, and then the 40s it was a zipper with, like, a little staple at the top, and then in the 50s it was, like, a zipper on the side and then in the back, and in the 60s it was a nylon zipper in the back. Like, little things kind of give you these brackets to date stuff, but then you can also date stuff based on, like, fabric and the way something is cut and, like, a trim that wasn't used at the time, or looking at even the font of a label can help date something, or... You look at how something was finished. Was it surged or was it hemmed or was there a ribbon hem? Or There's all these things. But then you also have to remember, like, just because something's like a 40s style, like, it still could have been made in, like, the early 50s. Like, people get stuck. Sometimes people are stuck in an era a couple decades back. <laughs> if you ever shopping Mama Loves You and happen to see Mara there, you will probably find it quite interesting that Mara's compliments usually are not about you, but the pieces in her store. Instead of saying like, oh, I love that dress on you, or you look beautiful in that jumpsuit, she usually will put her focus on the garment itself. This is how she will express, oh, that dress is beautiful. That jumpsuit is from the 40s, so well made. My friends always make fun of me because they're like, Mara, you, you care so much about these clothes. I sold this dress to a friend of mine recently. And instead of being like, oh, I hope she's enjoying the dress. I think I said, I really hope that dress is enjoying her. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I think that's a big problem with me is that I care so much about the clothes. Like I personify clothes. Like all the clothes have these like little personalities and they're all like, they're like my babies. I'm like, I really hope like you go to a good home and they take good care of you and they appreciate you for what you are. <laughs> I don't think that's helping my business. <laughs> it is helping. Though. I don't know. It, like, I really care about the clothes. And... Yeah, because people can see, can sense that. Mm-hmm. And I think... And like, it's not all about making a sale. Like, I'd rather go to a good home. Okay, that, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's probably not <laughs> helping my business. Like, I remember when we first opened, like, the first couple of months, there was, like, this amazing, like, I think it was, like, a turn-of-the-century, like, Chinese silk skirt that I would think I was charging, like, nothing for. And this woman picked it up and she's like, I think I'm going to cut it up and make a pillowcase out of the embroidery. And I was like, you you can't buy it. No, uh-huh. no. I'm sorry. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't buy it. <laughs> And then she kind of laughed and was like, oh, okay, you're right. So it's not like I was preventing her from buying it, but I had to be like, no, I can't. Like, it's survived over 100 years for you to turn into a pillowcase. Like, <laughs> I can't. But in a way, in a pillowcase now, she, the pillowcase is with her every night. Well, she didn't end up buying it. I think oh. I convinced her not to buy it. It's <laughs> <is> really funny. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Actually, that's a question I wanted to ask, but I forgot, like, and now kind of lead to it. Is that another thing about vintage shopping? It's like all these clothes have lived all these years, right? And mm-hmm. then, do you ever wonder like who were living in them before? Sometimes, sometimes I don't, and sometimes I sometimes I forget. And then I like you have to think about like the energy, like what happened in this item? Did something really bad happen? Did something really good happen? Like, is this carrying some sort of like curse? <laughs> I don't believe in that stuff, but... You don't? I don't, but I do. (laughs) I do and I don't. Um, I think I have to just... I don't know. Yeah, it it makes you wonder. Like, I wish that 
the items that you had had a story attached like this bo- this belonged to blah 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 and was made for her for this and I mean so rarely do we get to know the story behind stuff like occasionally I think for a couple times we've had some wedding dresses come in and they've had little notes attached like it was made for this person on this day because that's kind of something that people want to document it's a wedding dress so I think like maybe once or twice we've had that or I had a quilt once come in I think it was like from the 40s or the 50s and it had a note attached, like, this quilt was made from the pants of the sons of this family, like the old wool pants. Oh. And like, but so rarely do we get to know where the items come from. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting now thinking about like every week you unpack all these like shipments mm-hmm. from your mom. It's almost like a Christmas come early, right? I know, like today was my day off and Elizabeth, who's working at the store, is like, shipment came. I'm like, yes. <laughs> that means tomorrow I'm going to be like so having, exactly tomorrow. having fun. There's so many things I have, like, in the back room or in the basement that I'm like, oh, one day I'll get to that. And it's just, like, I haven't got to it yet, so. Yeah. Because you only have 24 hours a day. Yeah. And 12 of that is Netflix. <laughs> what are you watching today? Forensic oh, Files. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Are you interested in, like, true crime stuff? Yes. Me too. I love it. I love it. It's so morbid. It's so morbid. What do you think about people loving true crimes? I think we just get obsessed that, like, well, people can do this. People are capable of these things. And if that's so not your mentality, like, I think we're just so fascinated. I was actually thinking of, like, starting, like, true crime meetup. (laughs) Talk about the staircase. We just, like... Did he... Do you believe in the owl theory? What do you... What? Did you watch The Staircase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean, The Owl Theory? Oh, you can Google that when you get home. The Owl Theory. No, no, tell me. I can't like it. It's all about, like, if there's this theory that the an owl attacked her. Google it. This what? Is, just Google it. <laughs> I don't believe that. That's what I said, and then I Googled it. And then you... Yeah, there was, like, feathers in her hair, and, like, hair in her hand, and feathers that they found, and there was blood outside, and there was blood on the doorway, and then the marks on her head matched talon marks. But they never talk about that. Either. No, they don't. And that's a, that's a, that's also a few because they they found all that all that stuff out um, after any new evidence was admissible. It sounds oh. like bullshit, but I believe. Did you watch the making of a murder? Yeah, yeah. That would make me so angry. I know he did it. You think he did it? Yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> oh, we're gonna start a fight here. You think he did? Not to watch it again. I have to watch it again. It's been a while. Where can you find the forensic files? Trial? It's on Netflix. Have you watched the confession tapes? Oh, where they confessed to murders they didn't com- or crimes they didn't commit. I watched a couple and they were. It was really depressing. Oh, he's really depressing. really sad because all these people go to jail for things they didn't do. It's yeah. really really depressing. And it's their relatives or people mm-hmm. who are close to them got murdered. They yeah, time I know. It's really sad. I watched a couple and I was like, I can't watch this. Yeah, it's too sad. Too sad. Okay, on <laughs> How do we get over here? Is this going to make the cut? I think I'm going to put it in. Yeah, I think the blooper reel. I love this stuff. Okay, are you ready for the rapid fire? I'm scared. What if, what if I don't? Fun. Okay, something weird about you that not many people know of. I, all my, well, my friends know, I'm obsessed with the show Friends. Like, obsessed <laughs> with it. Me too, high five! No, whatever obsession you have with Friends, I went... <laughs> Really? I watch it every day in the morning and at night, every single day. Who's your favorite? Chandler. Mm. Ask me anything about friends and I will answer it. Really? It's so embarrassing, but I'm... I watch it maybe 10 times, but I, every time I tell people that, they think I'm crazy. I every every morning, crazy. every night. Do you feel like they are your friends? Yeah. Me too. I know. Oh my God, we're sounding like two losers now, but... 
That's I'm true. such a loser. My friends know they're like, "Mara, friends again." But I love it. I love it. Do it's you just, so like, pay one episode and then just watch I, it. I I just it's so comforting because I've watched it since I was a kid. So like having it on the background, it's just like it's like a big brain hug. I know it's stupid and it's really corny, but it's so like if I need to relax, just throw some friends. On. Yeah, I actually yeah I love friends too. So now is a package of question. Oh my.、Uh, Use three or less words to describe the following. Three or less words to describe the following. Okay. Love. Pain in the ass. Nostalgia. Vintage clothing. Style. My mom. Mama loves you. Dreams. <laughs> What scares you the most? Being misunderstood. If you could be born in any city in the world, which city would you pick? I haven't been to enough cities to know to really answer that. But out of the cities you've been, I guess New York. It's where my parents met and fell in love. And oh, really? Yeah, it's got like a. It's kind of the reason I'm here in this earth, I guess. So, such an amazing city. So, what does your dad do? We didn't even talk about him. He's an artist. He's a painter. And he paints all these photos. The um above the couch. Most of the ones on my wall are are um his. Oh, half of them are my mom too. She used to paint back in the day. That's how they met then in art school. Oh wow, so romantic! I know they met in art school and got like engaged after three weeks of knowing each other. Three weeks? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And they're still in love. Oh my god! Have you ever asked them like, what's their、um, secret sauce or anything? Secret sauce or anything that why they are so in love? I don't know. I think they have a lot of passion. Oh, so cute. <laughs> so, in which era would you like to be born in? Not right now. I mean, like, has to be before.、Mm-hmm. I mean, I would. I could say a vintage era, but I was born in eighty nine. I I like to stay born in eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah. Because but if you can travel back in time for me for a hundred days. For a hundred days. God, being at like a club in the twenties would be pretty fun. Great <laughs> <laughs> Gatsby time. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Or like you know, going to like a. In the forties, like going to like see a big, big band,、mm. swing band, like dancing. Oh my god, it'd be so fun too.、Uh, a love note to your future self. It's just be kind to to myself and take it easy. Don't I'm I'm pretty hard on myself. I'm my own worst critic, so relax. It's okay. <laughs> Do you have three pieces of advice you can share if you lose all your memories and you don't know anything about life? Oh god, <laughs> it's depressing. And these three memories, and、uh, these three pieces of advice, is, are gonna guide you through your new life.、Mm, I guess like pick your friends and the people that surround you carefully. Like I feel very lucky to have such amazing friendships and people who really love me for who I am and who really support me and my craziness. And、um, be passionate. Like do something that you you are really excited about and really passionate about because. What's the point if you're not super excited about some zipper? <laughs> my roommate yesterday told me that the name of my memoir should be "Dating Boys and Dating Zippers." <laughs> I was like, "That's pretty funny." <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you guys could talk about zippers for three days. That's pretty intense. <laughs> so lame. Oh, one more. Oh gosh. One more piece of advice to guide me through my life. Or can share with others. Or share with others. 
guess just like yourself. I spent a lot of my life being really shy and really not liking myself and it took me a really long time to be confident and like gain a voice at all. So just learn to love yourself in some way. It'll make everything so much easier. Last, what are you currently seeking? Love. <laughs> you know anybody? <laughs> anybody. Are you singing Backstreet Boys right now? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. We play that pretty much every time we close the shop. Elizabeth's like, Backstreet Boys, and she'll oh put it on. Oh my god, I love Backstreet Boys. I have their That's so good. So good. Thank you for coming. Oh, no, coming? <laughs> I live here, so <laughs> thank you for coming. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's amazing to see how wide range of topics we have touched upon this episode. Maro is such a sweetheart. Make sure to head to dearestseekers.com to see her recommendations and all the home visit photos taken by my friend by you. And if you haven't done so, please head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. It would really help us reach more women who might find these stories inspiring. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and we can also be found on Spotify, Instagram, and Pinterest as Dear Seekers. So meet us there if you like. And this is it for the week. So see you in two weeks. Until then, happy seeking. Happy seeking.